How you guys doing? You good? Uh, I'm actually enjoying the cold weather. We just don't get a whole lot of it. Oh, well, okay, we get cold weather, but just not with the snow and mountains. Like, I'll take cold weather with snow and mountains. Like, I'm cool with that. Um, it's just when it's cold and there's nothing that redeems it. That's when I don't like it. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, and, um, um, I've, I, yeah, I've, I don't, I, I'm not going to move to Calgary, I'm, but, <laughs> but I'm more than down to come and hang out. I really want my wife to come hang out uh, and walk on a lake with me. I think that'd be romantic, and I'd win points there. Um, you guys, just as a church, have been incredibly generous. Like, you guys have just been such a good... I, I just tell you, I, growing up in the land of mega churches, um, like I really, like within five minutes of my house, there's, I don't know, 10 churches that have 2,000 people showing up every Sunday and two that have 15,000 people showing up every Sunday. And, um, and I, I, I love them. I know a lot of good people there. This is nothing against that at all. But I, I, just, I just tell you, um, this is an amazing thing. Like what you have here is, is really special and unique. And I actually think the body of Christ, and I think a lot of young people are moving to that place where they're known, not just counted. And, um, and I think that's, it's so special. And, you know, I, I have this challenge sometimes because I think, especially in, in, in maybe uh, American culture, maybe uh, we, we're really good at um, doing one thing really well and then doing it again. So in other words, like we just copycat. We're like really good at that. Uh, so we, we know how to like replicate McDonald's and replicate Chick-fil-A's, you know, we know how to replicate homes and all that. And we tend to do the same thing with churches. And so what you end up doing in a lot of churches, you come in and you feel like everybody looks exactly the same. Uh, and, and, and again, I'm not, I'm I'm actually going to talk about unity today. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but just so you know, like unity and, and, um, diversity go hand in hand. If there's no diversity in your unity, your unity is quite weak. Um, all you've basically said is I need to hang out with people that look like me, talk like me, and say everything like me. And I, I, this is just not really fun. You need to have friends you can argue with. Um, and so, uh, I mean, come on. How many of you have had the most heated arguments you've ever had have always been family? And then later that night, you're having, like, something to eat, right? And... Um, but I just I wanted to tell you, young, old, whatever, uh, somewhere in between in this room today, like just value the season you're in and embrace it and be okay with the fact that there are older people who can speak into your life. You don't, listen, I'm going to just tell you as, a, as a, somewhere in between, I think, now. Um, I think I'm starting to realize that. Uh, I, I just tell you, I, I, there's far too many years as a young person where I just thought I needed other young people to tell me where I, what I needed to do. It's so funny. It's like asking my six-year-old to parent my three-year-old. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and so I want to encourage you, like if you're young in here and you're looking around the room and you're going, okay, there, there's oh, some older people around. Maybe I need to go. No, like embrace that because it's so valuable. And those of you who are older in the room, I just really encourage you. Um, I, I find that uh, I've walked through, and again, this is maybe just a, a commentary on the city I live in, uh, but uh, I walked through this little like shopping center, and I walked by, uh, I was with my wife, we we're on a date night, and we uh, walked by this young lady, like, a, a young group of ladies, like 14, 15 years old, they walked by, and then like within just a few seconds later, I wa- the, this, uh, these two ladies that were hanging out, they're probably 55, and they, they, and, I, and they walked by, and I turned to my wife, and I said, they looked exactly the same as the 15-year-old's What's going on? And we tend to do this now in culture. We tend to say everybody should be the same age. That's, that's it's, one, it's weird. Um, but it doesn't add value to the season you're in. 
And so, like, if you're a little bit older and you're, like, going, okay, well, I'm not hip and cool, awesome. Like, oh, people who are just always so hip and cool are obnoxious. Um, like, give me some people who are just who they are, and I'll learn from that, and I'm down with that. So, um, yeah, so I just wanted to commend your pastors. Uh, could you just give it up again for your pastors for, um, I mean, really, just creating a community of people that just feels really authentic, uh, feels really real, um, and that's just hard to find in a lot of places. And so, um, yeah, just an amazing deal. And, um, and I just, I'm, I'm going to do this, and I'm, I'm going to just kind of, I was praying this morning over uh, of you guys. I would just encourage you, if you have a prayer time, if you have like a devotional or something that guides your prayers, I would just always write in, just, just write this little phrase, pray for others. I do this book, and it, it, this is not, it just helps me. It's my devotional in some ways, and some of you know this phrase, and some of you don't. Uh, this is a book of common prayer, but it's an updated version. It's kind of made, written by some young guys, and, uh, but one of the things that it does is in there, it says, pray for others. And I don't know if you know this, but in the Lord's Prayer, you pray, kingdom come, before you pray, uh, pray, before you pray give me the daily bread. And, um, and, and I found the context of kingdom come, it, I receive daily bread better. And I would just encourage you, maybe pray for others. This morning I was praying over your church, and I was FaceTiming in with our church, and I was like having a moment. I was really proud of our team. It was really cool and, um, and missing them a bit. And, uh, and, and then uh, so I started praying over you guys, and I was thinking about, and I don't see Moira. In, Moira. Is she in here? Oh, she's over there. Yeah, you got like two rows. Um, <laughs> No, I just felt like, like uh, you know, hearing your story last night, just kind of getting to hang out with you, it's really cool. Um, like, just honestly, heroic, legendary, like all the, you check all the boxes. Um, but I just, I had just thought, and um, I just want to offer it to you guys, you can take it and leave, or leave it, however you want. Uh, but I just thought, that it's in the same way that you have built this family of people that are represented in multiple ways in this room, um, as you plant this church in Strathmore, uh, you're going to find people who have been left out or pushed aside or who have no other way. Um, and what you've done in your family is going to be a representation of what you do in your church. And that may not look the way everybody else wants it to look, and, but that's just, that's just flipping okay. Like, just, like just embrace that. And it's going to be beautiful, and it's going to be an incredible thing. And, and at the end of it, someone's going to say, man, I would have never seen Jesus had I not seen you. And, and I just believe that about you, too. And, and I know that that's already the case, uh, but I know starting something and pioneering something like a church is very difficult. People come in with their preconceived ideas and how it should look and what it should be. And, and I know you've already run up against some of that. Um, but just keep reaching the people that need to be reached, and uh, they need you, and, and uh, you're going to do an amazing job. Um, and then, and I, I've already, you told me, Dan and Cheryl, this is, don't, this is not weird, this is, I do this at church, at home, like I forget names, and I'm just, <laughs> memory's not a, that's not a spiritual gift of mine, um, Dan and Cheryl, and uh, uh, I, uh, I just, and I thought this is both, because you, your location pastor is correct? And you guys are in a similar way. Uh, and I thought this about both of you, but I just, as, even as we were worshiping, I thought the same thing about, really strongly about you guys. Um, Paul uses uh, the kingdom to say this in uh, one of his letters. He says, I've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and uh, in the kingdom of God. And, and that there's this, this, it's not just that we're in the same place in a new person, but we've actually moved into a new place and um, in a new location in life. And usually that's more, uh, it's a bigger deal spiritually than it is even physically. Um, we 
know a lot of people who've moved into a bigger house and kept a small life. And so I just want to encourage you, like I, what you guys are going to do as location pastors is move people into a new location. You are going to bring people into new places where they live and breathe and do life. But as, I was, as we were singing, what I thought about you guys is that that does mean you go to a new location. Where, where And it, that's not a like, oh, come on, get there. That's not that. It's just simply saying, like, just continue to pray uh, that you would continue to get like a bigger view of the location you're in, that you would really own that because you're going to take people into a new place of living, and you can do that. You will do that. I've been watching you up here. I, there, there's, there's a new location for you where you fully embrace what you have been placed here to do, and, um, and you will be empowered for it. So I just, I, you guys are going to move people to new locations, but I just felt really strongly that, that God has a new location for you, if that makes sense. And then there's a guy, uh, I saw him last night. He was wearing the same shirt as me. Uh, Friday night, he was playing guitar. Where is he? Dustin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you are. You, were, you had your hands up. And I, this, one, this one's a little, like, I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, I saw you last night, and I thought, oh, maybe, maybe okay, I, yeah. And this is, again, we said this to you uh, Friday night. Um, I've, I bet you would have more words for people if you would just look at more people. We, we have become so narcissistic as a culture that we have a tough time worrying about or thinking about or dreaming for other people. That's why I said pray for others. I'll tell you the things that happen when you pray for others. And so as I was praying this morning, I, I remember you in a red checkered shirt last night just like me, and I was a little upset that you did that. Um, but, um, but and I don't know, you know, again, I'm just going to offer this to you and you take it uh, as you will. But um, just this, the only phrase I could come up with that would make sense was that his will will be done. His will will be done. And I, I like, I see, have you, that Waymaker song's amazing. And then that bridge, have you ever lived in that bridge? I may not feel it, but you're working. I may not see it, but you're working. Anybody live there? Anybody? Okay. Y'all being all righteous and stuff. Um, I just, I don't know why, but I just, I just felt that for you, man. Like, his will will be done. And I don't know if that means you've been questioning it or frustrated with it or, or what, uh, but I just saw your posture last night and I just thought it was beautiful. And I just believe that God's going to do his will in your life. And um, just be reminded of that on a regular basis. Um, hey, today, my life's message, as Pastor Bill mentioned a couple days ago, uh, by the way, I'm wearing full on wool socks right now. <laughs> they wouldn't fit into my vans, so I'm wearing boots. Um, it would have been a little snug in my vans and a little look, it looked a little awkward. Um, but, uh, so I'm, I'm, yeah, my feet are warm. Um, but it's, it's like, I looked at the weather, it was 23 in Fahrenheit and it said felt like 16. And then I heard it was like negative one. And so we like, well, it's not that cold. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's why they have the temperature gauge. It's cold. That's what that means. Like, there's no, like, you don't debate that. It is, uh, you know, um, if there's a negative by the number, it's cold. You may be used to it. It's still cold. Um, and so, uh, yeah, no, but I'm, <laughs> um, I am... Um, I wanted to kind of just share, and I'm just going to share for a few minutes. This one maybe won't be as dense as some of the other things, uh, in a good way, as some of the other things that we shared over the last couple of days. Tonight's going to be awesome. I just really encourage you to be here tonight, um, because what I find is that when we come into moments like this, um, the, the and, and this is kind of where we'll end today even, is that we, we come in and we have these moments, but they don't turn into movements. And I don't mean that like, oh, you know, thousands of people. I just mean like we just, we, we have the moment and then we're not entirely sure how to move that forward, right? 
Um, and so we were talking about that this morning. But when we begin to do that, I think, the, and it's, again, we said this last night, when uh, Paul writes his letter to Timothy, young leader, he says to Timothy, uh, you've not been given a spirit of fear. Well, he, fo- he, he says that following his statement of stir up the gift that is in you. I think one of the biggest hindrances to us walking in the giftings God has given us is our fear. And now more than ever, people struggling with depression and anxiety, it's all built on this fear, this, this, this I, I don't know, I'm not sure, is it going to happen? And, and fear and faith are the same thing. Um, this one I'm stealing from my granddad. I always got to give him props. I just have to. Uh, but fear and faith are the same thing. They both believe that what uh, they cannot see will come to pass. They both believe that what they cannot see will come to pass. And and the only difference, ultimately, is where your belief comes from and what you're believing in. And so I I wanted to, um, today, just to talk about my life's message. And, and, well, I've got a couple. Um, I guess over time, you kind of pick up more than one, but... Um, the, the word unity has been something for me, and I, I know that even the last time I was here, I've had a couple people tell me that that's what I preached on, which was really helpful because I didn't remember. And, um, but this word unity, but it's not surprising, and there's no chance I'm going to have four sessions to preach and not talk about unity. There's just no way. And, and here's why it's important. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible in Ephesians, Paul says that we should make every effort. So I just want to qualify that. Every Everybody know what every means? Yeah, okay. Just to, I just want to really, I'm just going to hammer this really hard today. Make every effort, like every single possible effort to dwell, to sit, to abide in unity of spirit. It's one of my favorite verses. To dwell in unity of the Spirit. That, that the Spirit is a place, should be a place where unity is produced in us. And when we walk in the Holy Spirit, because if we are all being led by the Spirit, you would have to assume then that we are all going towards the same goal. Or the Holy Spirit is working against himself. So if we are all being led by the Holy Spirit, then we are all being led to the same end result, which is that we would see heaven on earth, right? That we would see Christ redeem people, that we would see Jesus in each other. And so unity's kind of become this thing for me that's just, just so critically important. Um, and and I'll, I'll get into it. Let me read the verse for you. How about, that? How, about, how about we read the Bible and then I preach? Acts chapter 1 uh, Acts chapter 1, I uh, didn't give you a whole lot of time to get there, uh, but Acts chapter 1. And remember, the book of Acts is interesting. It's not really a teaching book. It's more of a biography. It's, it's more of a, here are the acts of the church. Here are the acts of the apostles in the early church. Here's what happened after Jesus left and the Holy Spirit showed up. When the age shifted from Jesus to Holy Spirit, what began to transpire? So that's kind of what Acts is. And, uh, and, and so Acts chapter 1, verse 14 Acts chapter 1, verse 14, just says this. And all these, they just listed off, listed off the disciples, but then we find out just even in verse 15 that there were 120. So we know that there's more than just that was listed. But all these were continually, everybody say continually, continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. All these were continually united in prayer. Prayer, I actually wrote next to that word in my Bible, by, continually united by prayer. 
Because I don't know about you, but anything continually, I feel like continual united are like, it's like one of the more challenging phrases you could, two words you could ever put together. I don't know if anybody has ever tried to do anything continually and to do it continually united with people, right? Those two things can be pretty difficult, continually united in prayer until you realize that prayer is the ultimate place of unity. Prayer is a place of agreement. Prayer is a place that strips away all the stuff. It is hard to stay mad at someone when you begin to pray for someone. It is hard to stay in that place when you begin to pray God's favor, God's blessing, God's hope, God's joy, God's restoration, God's wholeness, God's healing in their life. It's hard for you to stay really mad. Now, maybe a little mad, but it's hard to stay all mad at someone when you're praying over them. Prayer is a place that brings us into unity. I want to jump to Acts chapter 2, and then we'll go back to Acts 1.14. Acts chapter 2, so you don't have to turn very far. Um, verse 1, we're going to read a few verses here. When, uh, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, now this would, had already been an established day, but this was a day where the Holy Spirit changed it forever. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. I think that's a redundant phrase unless it means two different things. They were all together in one place. Unity is not just about proximity. You, you've all had that meal together, right? You've all had that. You, you aren't unified even though you're eating together, right? Like, you know that. You can be sitting with your spouse driving to church, and you might be in the same car, but you are not in the same place. <laughs> you may know what I'm talking about? All together in one place. Like, it's almost like Luke is trying to make a point that there was unity in the room, all together in one place. And suddenly, you've already said continually, so now say Suddenly. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were staying, and tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared to them, rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. We talked about that a little bit last night. Verse 5, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, because the day of Pentecost would have been a time in a, in a, in a, in a festival where many people had traveled into the city. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them, the disciples, speaking in his own language. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't make you less relevant, it makes you more relevant, right? That's something we learned from Pastor Phil Pringle. And they were astounded and amazed, saying, look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea, in Cappadocia. But I'm making all that up. Okay, verse 10. Uh, yeah, all of, uh, verse 11. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking the magnificent acts of God in our own language. And the church does not need people to decipher our language. We don't need them to interpret our language. We need to speak theirs. The world needs the church to speak their language. And I don't mean that as compromising. I don't mean that in, in some way of just being so relevant you actually lost who you are. I just simply mean that when I take the gospel to someone on a particular street, I'm going to speak it in a language that they can understand. They are not missionaries that have to come across all different things to get to us. We are the missionaries that go to them. And yes, even if you don't go to some other country, your street is a place where God can invade the earth. And there are people on your street who need to know Jesus. So these people go, oh, they're speaking our own language. 
They were astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this be? But some sneered and said, they're full of new wine. Now, they didn't realize that maybe they were actually sort of right about that. They were actually saying it as, as though they might be, uh, have had a little too much wine. Um, Peter gets up and just after that begins to preach, and we're going to talk about that tonight. Peter begins to talk about, no, 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 you're, you're misunderstanding what's happening here. And, uh, but I, I think it's such an important place to go because a lot of us, when we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, we do go to Acts chapter 2. We go to Acts chapter 2 and we read verses 1, 2, 3, 4. We read all the amazing things that were happening. We read this verse 2 where it says, suddenly a sound. We forget that really the suddenly sound actually came out of Acts chapter 1, verse 14, where they were continually united. We were, uh, when, uh, this is not too long ago, actually, uh, uh, last year sometime, my wife and I, w- my boys, uh, w- my oldest boy has a bit of an asthma thing. It's kind of allergies kick in, his breathing, they don't, it doesn't work, so he starts coughing a ton. And, and so we, uh, one night, if you're a parent, you know this trick, you know, you turn on the shower, let it steam up, you try to get him to breathe it in. I'm not sure if it actually works, but um, we were doing that with our shower, and, um, and then we ran it for a little bit of time. You know, you got to really get that bathroom filled up with some uh, some of the mist and some of the things that, that would help with him. And, uh, and eventually we realized that the carpet just outside of our bathroom was wet. Yeah, like that's not, yeah, no, it's not supposed to happen. We don't have some special water feature. The, it was, the carpet outside the restroom was wet. And, uh, and, and we were like, well, what's going on? Nothing has changed since the last time we took a shower. Like nothing changed. We, we, what, what had changed is that we had run the shower for an extra long amount of time, right? We had run it so long that what the, the base that was supposed to drain had filled up and it revealed something that was wrong with our shower. It, it, it's, 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 it's interesting to me that most of the things that suddenly happen in our lives have usually been the result of things that have been continually happening in our life. A bad posture doesn't suddenly happen right? Relationship issues rarely suddenly happen. Even getting the job of your dreams rarely just suddenly happen. And some people go, oh, it just happened. It's like, no, you've been like faithful. You've kept working at it. You've kept honing your skills. You've been humble. You've worked hard. It didn't suddenly, you were continually working towards it. Of course, there are things that suddenly happen. Car problems. We've had some car problems in our house the last month or so. Um, and I'm just telling you, honestly, they didn't suddenly happen. We treat it like they suddenly happened. It's easier to get mad about it if it was sudden and out of nowhere. It's easier to get ticked off at your car for how dare you break. And you're realizing that you probably have been continually mistreating it. You've probably continually not been taking care of it. And in the same way where things contribute to a negative outcome, in the same way there are things that suddenly happen in a positive way that have happened because of something that was continually happening. That there is a continual thing that is beginning to build itself up towards what would suddenly happen. Richard Foster in his book called The Spirit of Disciplines said the disciplines, and what he means by this is prayer, fasting, silence, solitude, worship, community. Some of these things that he would say are the, the, the regulars, the consistent things that happen. That the disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. Another author, James K. A. Smith, in his book, You Are What You Love, Not Just What You Think, we've 
convinced ourselves that we are what we think and then when we do what we love. Um, you are what you love. In his book, or you are what you love. The things that you do do something to you. We don't like that because it means that it's somewhat our fault. <laughs> it's somewhat on us. This is not, I promise you, you're not going to feel beat up at the end of this. I promise. But it is to simply say that what we continually place ourselves in front of, what we continually place into our life, the things that we continually digest, the things that we continually set our eyes upon. Why does Paul say that, hey, or Jesus, actually, sorry, when Jesus talks about the eye is the lamp to the soul, what you look upon, and that's not just a one-time look, it is what you look upon consistently, what you continue to look upon will fill your life with light. It is the things that you continually are willing to put yourself in front of that will ultimately suddenly change your world. I mean, the disciples, when you think about this, they were continually united in prayer. Sounds amazing, sounds awesome, and yet they had no idea what they were continually united for. They knew they were praying for something that the Lord had promised. They had watched Jesus operate in something different than they could even operate in. They knew something was going to be good, something was going to move, something was going to shift, but they weren't entirely sure. They were just praying. We know now what it was. Pastor Eric was talking to me about this yesterday. We now know what it was. We know it was the Holy Spirit in what he did, but they were just continually united in prayer for whatever was going to happen, for whatever God was going to do. Can we be those kinds of people? Can we those, be those people who are continually united in prayer, not knowing the time and place or the details of everything God is going to do, but simply saying, I'm going to put myself in a place continually so that when it is time for you to do something suddenly, I'm ready for it. Because God does want to do some sudden things in your life. He does want to do some things that you were surprised by, but he is not. Because even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't know God's up to something, he's up to something. Even when I don't know he's doing it, he's doing it. My job, my role, my hope is that I would be faithful in whatever I am in at the moment. That I would stay continual. I, I, would, I would encourage you, the people you look up to, the people that you spend time with, the people you grab lunch with to mentor you or encourage you in your life should be people that you've seen do things continually. We tend to elevate the people that had sudden things happen. We tend to go, well, that was amazing. That wasn't suddenly. But I, I, w I want to admire the people that even when no one was looking, they were continually doing they were continually looking upon. They were continually being faithful. They were showing up. They were being present. They were doing those things continually. And God suddenly did something in their world. But then I want to I I move this because here, here's, and I already mentioned this a little bit, but I, I think um, we have the Holy Spirit conference and we have these moments. And some of you have had these moments. Some of you thought, last night was really cool. You guys praying over each other, prophesying over each other, praying, healing over each other. That was awesome. And um, you know, we tend to have these moments, and they're the suddenly moments. So the Acts chapter 2, verse 2, suddenly a rushing wind, suddenly these things begin to happen. And it, it, but they're preceded by Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They're preceded by this continually united in prayer. They're continually coming together. Because let's be really honest about continually united. It's really hard because there's continually opportunity for disunity. There's always going to be an opportunity for you to disconnect yourself from people. There's always, especially when you're actually trying to be united for something. 
It is, it is, it is so easy to disconnect, to get disunified, to, to move yourself away from somebody. I, I don't know, you ever felt like, man, it's going to be a great day in church, and then someone ticks you off. Or, man, it's going to be a, a great, like, there's always these opportunities, especially when you have made a decision to move forward, made a decision to step in, made a decision to get united. Then all of a sudden, you come up with all the reasons you shouldn't be. Disunity always rears its head. I absolutely believe that what the enemy is trying to do in your life every single day is disconnect you from God and disconnect you from people. Always, 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 always. Your first thought when you have an opportunity to disconnect shouldn't be, well, let's validate this. It should be, wait, hold on, let me check this for a minute. Let me really understand what's going on. Too many of us, uh, we allow feelings I remember hearing this quote one time. We allow feelings to be directions when really feelings are only data. They're just part of the solution. They're just part of it. You don't, feelings are not directions. They are not meant to tell you where to go. They are meant to tell you what is happening so that you can decide what to do next. Right? So many of us dis, get disconnected or we step out because we're feeling a certain way. And God's going, no, 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 hold on. Why do you feel that way? Well, because I haven't forgiven. Why do you feel that way? Well, because when this happened, I'm, it's triggering this. Why are you? Right? Okay. So we have this preceding thing that precedes the moment, but how do we get it? Because here's what I've noticed about everything. You see this in Acts chapter 4 when they're praying uh, after Peter and them had been released out of prison, uh, and they're praying, early church is praying, and, and God fills them with boldness, and they go out into the streets. Here's what I've noticed about what the Holy Spirit does. He, he precedes moments with prayer, with the word, with community, he precedes these moments with a pattern of living. We, Jesus would often withdraw so that he would return. There's, there's, there's these patterns. We build into our life that put us before Jesus, that put us in a place where the Holy Spirit can work, that he can transform us. And then we have these moments, and I don't think you're only going to ever have one moment. I don't think like this is the only moment you'll ever have. There will be these moments where God reveals something, where God says something, where God shifts something. There's these moments that happen. Uh, but but I, think, I find it too many times, especially like in my life, let's just be real honest so you guys aren't think I'm just talking about you. I, there, there, I had the preceding thing, and then I have the moment, and it's amazing, and it's awesome, but what I've noticed in Acts is that it never stops at the moment. Like the moment wasn't for the moment's sake. Like this wasn't so that you could just enjoy that and be like, well, that was, oh, that was great. Let's do that moment again in 12 months. No, the moment was so that you could get some momentum. How do we get a moment to, to be a move? How can, we, how can we get this moment to encourage us to lean in and trust him? These should be moments where you trust him even more because what happens in Acts chapter 2? Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls, languages thing, have the crowd gathers, and what happens? They don't keep continuing united in prayer. They don't go back into the upper room and go, let's try that again. At that point, everything's changed for them. Because what was the promise? Hey, stay here until I clothe you with power. When you're clothed with power, you will be what? My witnesses. Right? So he has the, they have the moment, then the crowd gathers, and then they just keep praying. No. No. They pray, they have the moment, and then all of a sudden they go out in front of the crowd, and they begin to share the good news of Jesus and what has gone on. And that is what should happen when the Holy Spirit's working in your life, when the Holy Spirit is moving in your world. We have to fight this urge to let it just be our moment, 
To let it just be something that was just for me, only for me, it's only my thing, I only want to hold it, I'm going to hold it close. No, every moment God has with you should be like rivers of living water that don't just flow to you, because that would make you a lake, not a river, that they flow, what, through you. And remember John, he says that little note, what that meant was that when the Holy Spirit hits your life, you become a river, bringing nutrients shaping new ways, changing the landscape of how this breaking through. The rivers are amazingly powerful, and it's not because of the power of one blunt hit. It's the, it's the consistent, regular, always just carving things out. There's something that needs to happen here, and this is where the united thing, when we get united in prayer, all of a sudden we get a little more courageous. I don't, you have those, that group of friends that you do stupid things with? Yeah, we all, everybody laughed, like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my wife doesn't let me hang out with them anymore, you know. Um, you remember in school, they're, they're, like, every time you got in trouble, your parents would go, who were you with? <laughs> well, you, you, there's always those people. And I think the church, honestly, I think the church should just be a little bit more risky. Um, and I don't mean that, like, dumb, Okay. If some of you guys are correlating that with your high school friends. Um, I don't mean dumb. I just mean that, like, when I want people to come into this place, have a moment, and then feel like they can do something different. Do something that was more than they had done before. Do something that's crazy. Do something that's a little bit full of faith, right? Do something that causes them to go, I'm going to be like a river carving a new path down this mountain. I, I want to be that kind of church. I want to be that kind of believer where when people get around me, they believe they can do more than they've ever believed. I want them to realize they have giftings and they have value and there's, there's something in them that this world needs and that, that they can bring heaven to earth if they'll let the Holy Spirit make them look like, more like Jesus. But there's a movement towards people. There was a movement towards... See, I think if you're growing closer to God, you have to be growing closer to people. If you're growing closer to God and pushing away more people... They talk about which God you're growing closer to. Because everything I read in this Bible, when I get closer to him, he gives me a bigger view of them. He gives me a larger view of who they are. He, he, he changes my viewpoint on what's possible in them. I no longer hold things against them. This is the 1 Corinthians 13 thing, right? The beauty of Holy Spirit kind of love. The beauty and the power of, of, of Jesus kind of love is that he doesn't hold things against you. He actually dies for the things that you've done against him. That's, that's the kind of love we're talking about when we're talking about the gospel. When we're talking about Jesus. It's, it's like some people, I've heard people say this thing, and maybe you get this here. It's like, you know, Christianity is just a crutch. Are you kidding me? Have you heard what Christianity asked me to do for you? Like to love you even though you're saying that about me? To love you when you don't want to love me back? To love you even when you've done things to me that should give me every reason to hate you? 
That's the Holy Spirit kind of love that he's trying to birth in us so that we would love people beyond the circumstance or situation, beyond the valid reasons we have to dislike them and begin to do things that they cannot explain. I don't know how they're speaking my language. How are they doing things that I would have never understood before? How is this happening? And then all of a sudden you get to go, Jesus. And then who gets the glory in that moment? Not you, because they knew you before. They know something's. That's that, this is why we have to love people so well. Because if we love people only according to our ability to love people, then that ain't very supernatural. Nobody's going to give God glory for that. It's when we love people beyond our ability to love them, they, they go, "Okay, you've got. Okay, there's something. That's not you. There's something in you. There's something working different about you." And again, let me remind you, none of this, I, I preach this thing under, fully understanding the cause and effect. I'm not saying this to you like, get the effect, come on, get it together, work this out. Would you just get yourself together today and love people better? Like, come on, ridiculous people. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm telling you is that if we will allow ourselves to be clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would love people beyond our own ability to love them. We would forgive people when we, everything in us says no way. And we would grow united with people continually so that there would be a sound in us suddenly that begins to move the earth towards heaven. And that's our heart, isn't it? That's our desire. I mean, even the prayer of Acts chapter 4, and I didn't give it to the guys, and that's fine. But the prayer in Acts chapter 4, is, oh, it's, it's amazing because the prayer in Acts chapter 4 is not protect us or save us or keep us. The prayer in Acts chapter 4 is actually really powerful, and maybe I'll mention it tonight, is hear their threats and give us boldness to share your good news. What kind of crazy prayer is that? Hear their threats, all the things they're saying they're going to do, everything that they're going to do, throw us in prison. And, and be, I mean, listen, we have it easy compared to what the early church was dealing with when they were doing all the things they were doing. But again, miracles happen on what? The frontier of the gospel and the places we don't feel like we are welcome, the Holy Spirit makes a way. And when, when, when all of a sudden these guys are praying, they're praying, oh, hear their threats. It's bad out there. It's not good. But give us boldness that we might preach your good news in spite of the things they're saying. And then the ground shakes, the Holy Spirit fills the room, and it says they, they then go on preaching the gospel with boldness. Man, that's, that's the church. The church shouldn't be weak, scared, or running. The church should be united, strong, and moving into new places, into new streets. See, here's what I want to believe for you guys. And I actually thought about this, and I wasn't going to share it. I'm going to share it now. Like, this building is, is actually, like, this is really cool. Um, th like, churches are built like malls now, and they kind of make you, th and, and I, there's a whole thing there. But, um, like, churches and malls are built the same way these days. It's really, it's really weird. It's, we've, we've, we've given people the same rhythm they have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we've not differentiated. But there's, like, the, like the cathedrals of, the, of, of old weren't there to try to make people feel dominated. They were there to make people look up and be in awe of who God is. That's because they didn't have the amplifiers. They didn't have the sound systems. They didn't have all the stuff. They needed the physical places that they built to make people go, whoa, 
And if you've ever walked into a cathedral like that, and I'm, probably, I'm sure there's some even around, like take a Tuesday afternoon and go walk into some place, and it's just a mass, and you just walk in and you go, oh my goodness. Like, and that's what you're supposed to feel with God? Or you're supposed to go, wow, this is unbelievable. And when, and when like I had this feeling of this building, and, and, and not just the building, obviously, but I just, I just, I felt like this can represent a lot of who you guys are, that what God is going to do through this group of people as they walk in the power of the Holy Spirit is that people are going to get a grander view of who God is. Like this, let the building speak to who you are as a church, that when people come in this room and come in this space and when they encounter you, because they will not just encounter this church on a Sunday, they will encounter it in, in your cubicle or on your street or in your workplace on a Tuesday afternoon, on a Wednesday morning, on a Friday night, when you're coaching your son's team or whatever else, let, let your life be a thing that, that reminds people of the grandeur and the greatness and the bigness of who God is. And when we walk in the Holy Spirit, when we do that, the Holy Spirit is elevating Jesus it's so that who? That, that God, the Father, would get the glory, all working together. And so here's what I wanted to pray today. And we're just going to do this um, just to close out. Uh, I wanted to pray for unity. Now, it, now that sounds great. Sounds awesome. Uh, here's, here's the thing. And this is where I felt like this is the, the Holy Spirit tonight again. We're, I, I'm going to make a little more room for praying miracles, some of those things tonight. But um, I think one of the greatest miracles we could ever have is the miracle of forgiveness. Grace. And the thing about unity is um, the disciples weren't all like, they were like family. They got on each other's nerves. You see that on multiple occasions in the Bible. That's why I love the Bible. They don't hide that stuff. Um, the disciples, like, they were young guys. They would just, like, why are you doing that? And even later on in the letters of Paul, you, he's, like, getting ticked off at one of these other guys. Like, I just, I went on a different way. He went his own way, you know, whatever. And like, it's just, it's real life. Um, and so this unity, continually united, there's, a, there's a, a willingness to fight for unity. And what that probably means for some of us in the room is that there has to be a willingness to forgive. That maybe even some people in the room that, that, um, that the Holy Spirit really wants to operate and work in your life. And the one thing that's like really he's hitting up against is that, um, that we haven't released or forgiven some things. Uh, it might be with people in the room. Uh, it might not. Um, I have people come and talk to me and say, I'm really upset about that with this person. Can you pray? And I'll go after you talk to them. <laughs> Yeah, go talk to him, and then I'll yeah, then we'll pray. Because I can pray all day, but if you'll never own it, and they never own it, it really doesn't make any difference. Um, but the Holy Spirit helps us forgive. The Holy Spirit helps us love. The Holy Spirit helps us rejoice. And so I just wanted to pray, like unity, yes. But what does that mean? Maybe for some of us in the room, uh, we're here, but we're not here. We're in the same building, we're not in the same place. So maybe for some of you, this prayer is about, I'm, I'm locking in to what God wants to do through C3 Church. I'm locking in because they believe in what God wants to do in me. They're not just trying to get me to come to church and do the thing and stand. To, they want to see me operating in who God's called me to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Right? On your street, the place you're calling, the things that you do. And, um, and so I, maybe that's what it is. So... Um, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm, 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 why don't you just stand with me, and, and we're going to close. And here's, the, here's the beauty of, of, of what Jesus did. Jesus modeled everything he gave us to do, all of it. Forgiveness, walking in the Spirit, right? Jesus modeled all of it. He did everything. 
he says, pick up your cross, he doesn't just say it to like, hey, you guys, good luck with that. He goes, I do it too. And so when we say we're gonna forgive people, we always have to remind ourselves that Jesus has done the same for us. Why do we open tables to sinners? Because Jesus did that for us. Kidding? Right? It's always that. It's always cause and effect. It's always that Jesus has already done it. And so I just want you, I'm going to give you like 30 seconds. And I want you to think about, I probably should give you more than 30 seconds because it's easy to fill 30 seconds with just like, well, let me think about it. But there's probably a person or or an event, um, a hurt, an offense, and here's how you know it's still an offense if it still hurts when you touch it. When the bruise still kind of, oh. And some of us have lived with it. We've adjusted to life. But Romans 12, 2 says, don't adjust to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so you would know the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. So I would just like, um, I would give you 30 seconds. I might give you a little more. Don't worry. I will talk again. Um, I'm going to get silent. But I just want you to pray, God, reveal to me something that I'm holding on to. And it's keeping me from grabbing hold of who you are and what you want to do, what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I just want you to take a moment, okay? I want you to ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, what am I holding on to? What, am, what is still affecting me? What's still hitting me harder than I thought it was? What's still hurting when, when someone bumps up against it? or when I, What's still causing that pain or frustration or that step back from purpose and calling? Just give you 30 seconds to do that. Just ask God. way to think about forgiveness is to think about the alignment in your car. The greatest way to think of repentance is to think about a way of of coming back into alignment with the Father so that I can get driving again in a straight way without having to always adjust for this or adjust for that. Um, If you had a name or or an event or a thing, some of this this is really deep-seated for some of you. Um, I don't want you to feel condemned by that. Uh, For some of you who haven't brought it up, thought about it because it's been so condemning. You felt like you were the reason. It's your fault. You're terrible. You're a bad person. That isn't true. Um, God did not bring you here to condemn you. He brought you here to convict you. Conviction always leads to the future. Condemnation always takes you back to the past. God wants to convict you into a place of going, God, there is more. So I want to ask you to take a bit of a brave step. Um, if there's something that came up as, you, as we asked that, we just took that time. I could, and, and maybe the prayer team maybe need to line up or something. But um, if that's you and you'd go, yeah, I, there's something. There's something. I want to pray for freedom and unity. So if that was you, I'm going to take you a bit of a bold step. Uh, eyes are open. doesn't really matter because um, we're continually united. We're not in this alone. 
Would you just come to the front real quickly? Would you, if that's you and you've got something, there's something in your life that you'd go, you know what, I don't want to walk out of here still thinking about that. I don't want to walk out of here still feeling that bruise. I don't want to walk out of here still thinking about that uh, moment. I want to walk out of here feeling, come on, I know it might take bravery. You might, some of you might be with someone, you're like, I don't want them to know I've got that thing. Um, if that's you this morning, just come on to the front, grab one of these guys. We're just gonna pray.